everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Everything You Need to Know About Music, where today we are going to do another essential album. And I will say right off the bat that this one is one I hesitated even doing because I'm such a big Frank Sinatra fan. And we have not yet done a Frank Sinatra podcast because it's, in my opinion, so difficult to do with certain artists because their scope of work is just so broad and so important. Where do you actually start? But with essential albums, you have the opportunity to just focus on one piece of work and to say what this thing was. So we're going to focus today on what is considered to be one of his greatest albums. And on the list of the 1,001 albums you must hear before you die, literally ranked number one in the book by Robert DeMiri. Now, this album is different than so many other Frank Sinatra albums, and I think that also lends to why it's so respected and so widely considered to be such a great album. It also changed what albums really were after the production of this because of what it did. So let's go back. Let's actually start and look at when this was produced, why it was produced, and, and, and kind of the tone and theme of what it is. So on April 25th of 1955, this was released. It was recorded pretty much the beginning of the year from February and March and then released in April. It's 48, almost 49 minutes long, which is pretty long for an album of that time. And Frank worked with Capitol Records, which was his record label, and Nelson Riddle. Now, Nelson Riddle is really worth mentioning because he was a, a band leader and orchestra leader who, in the late 40s and early 50s and into the 60s, just worked with everybody. Nat King Cole, Judy Garland, Ella Fitzgerald, and of course Frank, and was an incredible arranger. And, and Frank worked with him specifically to create what I'm going to call now a concept album. This album deals with Frank's loneliness and love that was lost. So what happened to him was we got to go back and look at the relationship. In, in the late 40s, Frank was probably the most famous and successful singer in the world. I don't think I would be off by saying that. But Frank had some personal issues with his wife at the time, Ava Gardner, and had some tough relationship issues. When he married Ava Gardner, he was just totally smitten. I mean, he was just in love with this incredible, beautiful being that then there was reports of adultery on both sides. And it was just they didn't have the ability to really live together as a normal couple. It, it just really tore them apart. And so Frank went into a period of incredibly deep, dark depression. And so because of that, his success and his popularity really dwindled. He then came out with two albums, which did fairly well. And it was one was Swing Easy and then Songs for Swing and Lovers right around the same time. And it was, you know, classic Sinatra stuff. And I want to play real quick a couple of things off of Swing Easy just because I want you to get the feel of where he was and then where he goes. So, for example, this, this is Frank, 1954, track one. Off of Swing Easy. Yeah. 
It was just one of those things Just one of those crazy flings One of those bells that now and then ring Classic Frank, right? Just one of those things Or another example would be I mean, just beautiful, swinging, easy songs. This was eight songs, 19 minutes long, 1954. These kinds of albums were what Frank was known for and what he was great for. And they were also albums that were meant to be uh, produced in order to have hits. Songs that would be either released on the radio or would end up in jukeboxes. Because that's where these songs went. Now... So what Frank wanted to do with In the Wee Small Hours was something different. So he came out with something now that was almost 49 minutes long and told a story. Not just a collection of some swinging songs, but something different. And he chose these songs and put them in a specific pattern and put them in a specific order so that they would tell a specific story. So as the album builds, it tells a story about a man who is desperate and down and heartbroken. And there's, it's, there's still a pop uh, current vibe to the, uh, the album, but it's very uh, blue and dark, and it, it's, it's clearly put together for a purpose. There is not a song on here that's up and, and bright and, and a pop song that's meant to be uh, you know, danced to. This is a theme. Even the cover, the cover of old Frank Sinatra albums were him smiling, jumping, arms out, swinging. Uh, this is him as a painting. And it shows him like this like almost an eerie kind of um, somber, dark looking kind of a song where he's just got... It's kind of him standing next to a lamppost with a cigarette in one hand, looking down, clearly just despondent. And this, you can tell, is going to be a moody album. So, let's get into it. The Wee Small Hours starts with In the Wee Small Hours of the Morn. And this track sets the tone for what the album is going to be about. In the wee small hours of the morning While the whole wide world is fast asleep You lie awake and think about the girl And never ever think of cows This is just throughout the whole album, this slow, moody, melodic kind of theme of this love that has been lost. And what he's saying is that it's toughest 
during the toughest parts of the day, in those wee small hours when it's just all hurtful and difficult. And all of these songs, you can hear this mushy, uh, just side of Sinatra that was not really heard before. And you know it's this heartbroken uh, side of Sinatra that's just so sad. Second song, Mood Indigo, continues right where We Small Hours leaves off. Listen to that trumpet that just kind of walks through with Sinatra. And this song is just spectacular. You ain't been blue No Now, one of my favorite stories of this album is track eight, When Your Lover Has Gone. After recording this song, he actually broke into tears. I mean, Frank really was broken up about everything that was going on in his personal relationship, and this song just got to him. This is the end of side A, and this song is just gut-wrenching when you think of how it applies to him. What good is the scheming, the planning and dreaming that comes with each new love affair? His phrasing, I mean, he could tell this is just a guy that's telling you something. that you cherish so often may perish and leave you with castles. In when you're alone, I mean, oh. who cares for starlit skies when you're alone? The Magic moonlight you can just tell by the names of the songs. If you were just looking at the track listings, it's In the Wee Small Hours of the Morning, Glad to Be Unhappy, I Get Along Without You Very Well, I See Your Face Before Me, Can't We Be Friends, When Your Lover Has Gone, I'll Be Around, What Is This Thing Called Love? I mean, on and on and on, it's just more of this pain, this just difficulty. It is an album for the wee small hours. It is an album for the dark part of those nights where it's just somber and lonely and, and depressed and it's raining and it's that whole mood. It is one of those kinds of albums. It's been ranked, like I said, number one on the 1001 albums you must hear before you die uh, list. It was on Time Magazine's top 100 albums of all time. 
in Rolling Stone, it is uh, 500 greatest albums of all time list. It is l- number 101, on and on. But the other thing I wanted to talk about was how this was released and what, what this album actually did for other albums because it actually plays into why it is so important. And I'll say two things about that. One, th- this album wa- is an important uh, part uh, as, as almost a chapter in the entire book of what Sinatra's legacy really was for all of the albums that he made. It marked a turning point in his mature singing style. It, it also marked a, a, a different way of organizing and arranging the music that he put on his albums. It wasn't meant to just be a collection of five, six, seven, ten different random songs that were good for the time, make it and get it out. It told a story. It really began the idea of telling something for a reason as one collective piece of work. But most importantly was not just the theme, not just the cover, but the way that it was released. Because the way it was released was totally different. Before, he would release uh, usually in sets of what were then... EPs, uh, basically like a a, a 10-inch album. And the original release of this was two volumes of two 10-inch LPs. But because this was such a serious work of art for Sinatra specifically, he wanted to release it in the way that serious albums were released. Not as singles, not as hits, but as serious music. And at the time, the only albums that were released as serious pieces of music were classical music. And classical music came on 12-inch LPs because they needed the space for the amount of time. So after the success of We Small Hours came out, when they released the two small records, um, Capital decided to release it as the first 12-inch LP. And this was Sinatra's first 12-inch LP. Now, Capitol Records were concerned because of the, the moody and dark material. They didn't think there was enough for people to really buy. They didn't think there was something for everybody, but they were wrong. It actually peaked at number two on Billboard 200 when it came out, and it remained there for 18 weeks, which is the longest time Sinatra held that spot. And it's because... It was just something different. It was something special. People got a huge work of art that told one collective story. It's definitely up there with one of Sinatra's uh, best works. Songs for Swingin' Lovers is great. Frank Sinatra sings Only the Lonely. Some of his other ones were uh, Songs for Swingin' Lovers. This is Sinatra. Close to You was fantastic in 57. A Swingin' Affair, also 1957. I mean, these were just, I mean, the, the tracks were f- some of his biggest hits. However, none of those told the story the way that We Small Hours did. And none of them told a personal story the way that We Small Hours does. So while I don't want to use this as a platform to give a total biography of who Sinatra really was, because I think that that's almost impossible to do in a very small amount of time. I did want to focus on what this album specifically said at the moment that it came out. It was one man's release of his inner mood and inner emotions through songs specifically to tell a story. And not only did it come out beautifully and arranged perfectly, but it didn't at the time try to be what every other album was. 
it didn't try to be a commercial success. And maybe because of that, it not only was a commercial success, but started the opportunity for so many other artists to do the same, to feel that ability to be expressive, to tell a, uh, a single story through an album as opposed to just a collection of songs on a piece of vinyl. So lastly, I want to go out with this song that happens to be my favorite on the album. And I think it shows what all of these 16 songs, if you were to simplify it down into one song, can't we be friends? And after that, I'll just say, hope you enjoyed this. And uh, if you can, on a somber, rainy, bluesy day, put this album on. You will love it. We'll see you next time. The way a silly little child would. I can't excuse it on the grounds of youth. I was no babe in the wild, wild wood. She didn't mean it. I should have seen it. But now it's too late. I thought I'd found the girl of my dreams Now it seems this is how the story ends She's gonna turn me down and say